Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 21 of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them the big 20 questions from the AVFX vault. But not on this episode. The Access VFX vault is actually closed for the summer. Like any vault, we have to let the vault keeper take a holiday, tidy up the place and polish the wrought iron door, etc. So for our 21st episode, our summer special if you like, we look back across the last 20 episodes and double down on all the answers to question 20, your nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry. To help me on this nugget-based career advice extravaganza, we invite two members of the VFX animation community to take a tour of the vault with me. Harriet Edge-Partington, Talent and Recruitment Manager from Union VFX, and NG Jerouge, Outreach and Inclusion Talent Partner at Framestore. Packing in career advice across 20 VFX and animation industry podcast guests, and of course some bonus nuggets from NG and Harriet. This is your one and only stop for all you need to know if you're trying to break into the industry. We recorded this last week on a scorching hot summer's day, and it's an absolute belter. Anyway, that's it for my chat. So grab an icy beverage, maybe a chalk ice, and enjoy episode 21 of the Access VFX podcast, our careers advice, golden nugget summer special. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 21. It's me, Simon, and on this episode, we're opening the Access VFX vault once more. But rather than invite another talented member of our community to answer the big 20 questions, we're inviting two members of industry to take a tour of the vault with me. And in this case, a tour of question 20, your nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry. I'm joined today by two guests who are no strangers to providing such golden nuggets. Saying nuggets a lot in this intro, so do do bear with me, listeners. Um, manager with nine years skin in the recruitment game, who began her VFX career at DNEG in 2013, of a multi-talented recruit who then joined Union VFX in 2019, where her ability to uncle hit the ground running quickly earned her the internal job title of Head of Unicorn Discovery. Wanted to get that in. Also a diversity and inclusion champion and Access VFX board member. Next up, we also have the newest member of the VFX talent management community, a graduate of the mighty Norwich University of the Arts, where she has just been awarded Inspirational Student of the Year, a writer, author, and now outreach and inclusion talent partner at Framestore. So please welcome to the pod, Harriet Edge Partington from Union and Engie Jerouge from Framestore. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hi. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. This is the first time we've had two people on season two, so this is very, very exciting. Um, yeah, so we cobbled this together quite quickly, didn't we? This has been a moment of panic on my part. Um, so those of you listening may have delivered 20 episodes of the podcast. You may not know that we're taking a little bit of a, a summer break, having so far, having kicked off back in. Crikey, I think it was November we started season two. Yes, November 21 with Jin Godden. And rather than um, keep inviting guests in to go through the vault, which we will do in September, we thought we'd run a couple of little summer specials where we look back over the last 20 episodes and, um, and focus in on one question, which is the one uh, ultimate golden nugget of careers advice. And there's usually a lot doing the rounds, right? We, we all know, right? all three of us, yeah. there's a lot of advice we give. But what's the one that people double down on? And then we're just going to celebrate all of them in one cut out and keep hour that you can listen to on your travels while you're making those decisions. So that's my kind of little bit of uh, intro out of the way. Um, so before we get into it, I guess we should do the usual intro. So, I mean, Harry, I gave you a uh, the usual and well-deserved big <laughs> intro. Um, but how, how are things at Union these days in your uh, unicorn uh, hunt? Yeah, my unicorn hunt. Very busy hunting unicorns, as always. I think, you know, since the we've come out the other end of the pandemic, 
the industry has gone bonkers and it is every man for themselves <laughs> um and yeah there's a huge amount of um stuff going on we're working on some really awesome projects and are you know crewing up loads at the moment so we're we're sort of pushing pushing the the limits now in terms of actually how many seats do we have left um but yeah it's really great um as i said brilliant projects coming up lots going on some incredible talent joining the team over the last sort of 12 months um our core team is getting bigger and stronger um you know we've hired some apprentices which has been great so yeah, it's been it's been a busy, busy, busy year so far. But there is this is only the surface, so there's lots absolutely. more to come. Thanks, Harriet. Yeah, and it is absolutely bonkers at the moment, isn't it? I mean, the, uh, I've said on various podcast episodes that when I go onto LinkedIn now, it just stresses me out because there's just so many people going, "Hey, I've just started here, and I've yes. just started there," and it's all the effects artists and producers. Yeah. Like, where are all my kind of old like railway heads and my old TV heads? They're all gone. It's all just VFX moves constantly so the war for talent is real for sure and speaking of uh incredible talent you mentioned earlier we've got ng on uh, the pod as well and you've you've only been at frame store for two months right ng in your role really wow (laughs) literally over a month yeah yeah it feels much longer i'm sure but how are you getting on how are you finding your new role you're you're frame store's (laughs) first inclusion partner aren't you or outreach partner yes yes absolutely loving it i think i'm still in like my honeymoon phase of the industry so everything seems so like great and glamorous i hope it stays that way i'm sure it will but yeah i'm absolutely loving it (laughs) and i'm so glad to see that finally frame store has sort of put a lot of budget into hiring me to focus on the outreach diversity and also budget to actually start initiatives and so much more to come but yeah there's a lot a lot of work and I just want to like get cracking on it <laughs> I know what you mean I know what you mean and I'm sure you, you'll you'll ride that honeymoon period for the rest of your career at NG I'm sure you won't get all bitter and twisted a year and <laughs> keep 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 harnessing that that positivity it's a, it's a great industry for sure so um, I want to kind of get into it, really. I mean, I think we could talk about the weather. We're recording this during our, our one of our, our English heat waves. So we're all kind of stuck at home, kind of with various fans buzzing. Yeah. And not me. I'm in a very hot box here. So um, I thought, let's just get into it. We've got an hour. There's 20 questions to dive through. And um, I guess one of the, the things I've done in preparation for this episode is I've gone through all answers to all 20 questions with a fine tooth comb. And I hope you've both listened to all 20 episodes before. It's a good 20 hours, a day's worth of, uh, of Access VFX podcast listening. Um, and I've split it across three key areas is that a lot of people spoke about seizing opportunities. And there's quite a lot of crossover there. Um, a lot of people talk about networking and the, the importance of networking and not just the traditional um, going to a networking event and picking up a stack of business cards, but it, it, it goes by many names and many forms. And then there's the work. So actually, you know, doing the work, creating stuff, getting noticed and that kind of stuff. And the first one I'm going to go into, I thought I might as well kick off with uh, the mighty Jim Godden and uh, XVFX lead and Access VFX board member who kicked us off in season two back in November. And ironically, we recorded Jin's episode in uh, last year's heat wave. So I remember that being a really hot day and it took us about took us months to launch the episode but once we got that out of the stock so we, there was no looking back and Jin said that to take any opportunity to come that comes your way even if it's what you don't want to do because it will show you a different perspective it'll introduce you to different people it will give you more ballast when you go for that interview and you have more to talk about for yourself so any opportunity is valuable so what what do you think about that you know go, yeah it could be seen as quite controversial just take anything because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, be quite calculating and specialise. But is there something in that about just taking whatever comes your way and see it where it lands? What do you think? I think, you know, the pressure on students and graduates and the people looking for that first break in the industry, I think they feel like a lot of pressure to know what they want to do. And, you know, they're expected to, to come out of university or whatever it is that they've been doing and be like, right, I want to be a producer and that's not that's not real <laughs> like you know i think you need to give yourself a bit more of a break and understand that exploring and doing different things is a really great opportunity to explore and get a sense of what other things are out there that you may not have been introduced to because you know university courses are so structured they have their modules and that's how you turn through your years 
but when you come out of that you know it it might be that you get into a role just wanting you know to see how things are and you get introduced to something that you've never really thought of doing and as a great example we've um at union just hired a projects and biddings coordinator so it's a new role for us um and a little while ago i was introduced to um a, an amazing graduate you know she wanted to get into production and I immediately was like, she'd be great for this role, just kind of how she you know, came across, how she conducted herself. But also we were like, we really want to work with her. And in this role, she works a lot closer with my colleague Shoba and that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, she's now had the chance to come into this new role. At the moment, she still thinks that she'd like to get into production, but who knows what this opportunity will you know expose her to the different things that she'll learn so it's going to be really interesting to see how her career path now develops um but yeah i think you know just to go back to my original point is don't put that pressure on yourself i completely agree with jin just see what opportunities are out there what can you get because again if you are setting your sights on a particular role and that role only it's going to be harder than if you kind of go, oh, you know, there's at least three things that I'd consider myself happy to do. That opens the net much wider. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with what she said there. I would definitely encourage people to to do more, explore more and just have fun, you know, enjoy what you're doing. And if you don't, you tick that one off and you don't do it again. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. No, like, honestly, um, and sometimes because... I, I will take from like a graduate point of view, but sometimes you don't get even introduced to some roles that do exist in the industri industry, such as working in like talent or recruitment. We don't know about them. So for me, I thought I want to go into production. And then I was offered uh, like a runner interview. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a runner. Like maybe I shouldn't go to the interview, but then no, this this is an opportunity and I should go for it. And then because I did go for it, I actually ended up being introduced to the recruitment team and I was like, wow, recruitment, that sounds really interesting. So one opportunity, even if it doesn't seem as glamorous as it is, um, it actually opens up so many other opportunities. And that interview gave me what I'm doing now. And I think what, I, what I'm doing now is just so suitable for me, but I would have not heard about it when I was studying back at uni. It's a great point, isn't it? Just being open-minded because the industry is still so young when you think about it, you know, it's not been, the official effects is still in its infancy. And in my short tenure in, you know, where I am at the moment, where I was previously, is I've seen so much change in terms of disciplines and new new roles. I mean, you talked about all these new roles coming out of the, the woodwork and, you know, bidding producers and design teams and everything that's coming out of emerging technologies. And just coming in with that open, open mind, like you say, NG, you know, just coming in going, yeah, yeah, quite fancy production, but let's, Let's have this interview. Let's see what's going on. And uh, actually, Alwyn Holt Hunt, uh, the co-founder of The Rookies, who uh, we interviewed in December last year, he talks about kind of the, he, he calls it a tidal wave of opportunity for young people at the moment because it is some games, all the glamour of, you know, what's so new and there's so much change. And he talked about thinking outside of what you think. So he said that visual effect working on shots and games and content is kind of the icing on the cake and that pe people should start looking as you both said actually um you know under the surface of the the shows and the the, the, spe the visual effects and big design and all, all these guys more explosions in the spaceships and actually there are talent teams and there are incredible finance teams managing budgets and production and your take on you know not just going for the glamour and actually just taking a job that gets you in into the industry because we've seen uh, across many podcasts, interviews, experiences, how people start at those kind of entry levels and then end up being chief executives within 15, 20 years. I mean, what's your, what's your thought on Alwyn's Al point?
yeah, I feel like being outgoing is, is really important, especially in the, in the media industry where you need to be asking the questions to get your answers. Um, so, yeah, I just there's no really nothing to add. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I'm going to set the cat amongst the pigeons on our, our tour of the vault now, because we met um, episode two of season two. We met with uh, the lovely Mark Simon, who is head of Ardman Academy, and he talked about, uh, yeah, yeah, he said that people think it's all about luck and it's not. It's about you. Our industry is really good at finding talent. Have faith. If you're talented, it will find you. Is that rose tinted? I mean, I love Mark Simon Hewis. If you're listening, we love you. <laughs> if you're brilliant, is it destined or do you have to do a bit of groundwork? I really like what he's saying, but I do think you have to do a bit of groundwork. You know, yeah. how how are you meant to be discovered if you aren't putting together a showreel and getting your portfolio out there? You know, we're not psychic. We don't just have like this yeah. ability to go, there is someone sitting in Scotland that I think is going to be a really good lighter one day. That just, it doesn't work like that, you know? Um, so I do think you need to have a slight um, get up and go about you to and just get yourself out there. And when I do some of the outreach stuff that I do with Union and we're talking about, you know, portfolios and things like that, I always encourage people to, to add their um, showreel link to their LinkedIn profile so that when I'm looking through, um, for, for certain talent, I, I've already got that snapshot of their skills and then I can very quickly establish whether or not they're right for the role and if I want to, to pursue it further. And that just makes it a lot easier, it's quicker. Yeah. I already know that on you know video, they are the talent that we're looking for. Um, I do agree with the it's not about luck thing. I do not think it's about luck. Um, there are people out there that do land on their feet and do have a little bit of luck in their pocket. I might be one of them. That's how I got into the industry, nepotism. Um, but, you know, I think you also need to have have the visuals or the CV or, you know, the right attitude behind you. It's not, if, it's not just going to fall into your lap, yeah. um, but... For some it does, you know, and yeah. they are very lucky. Um, but I think it's rare that you don't have to do a little bit of legwork, at least something. And I think, you know, if you're talented, yeah. keep keep plugging at it. You know, don't give up hope. If it doesn't happen the first time, that's rare. Um, so keep on working on your work and get it out there. And sometimes, you know, it all everything happens for a reason if it's if those roles haven't worked it's because it wasn't right for you but then when that one role does land make the most of it and take that opportunity you know full full grasp and roll with it like have fun yeah it's a great answer by mark in many ways isn't it because it almost sparks that conversation about you yeah yeah you can still talent will still find you but you've got to be proactive you've got to be quite strategic with your online presence and what you put out there and how yeah. you will get into networking shortly but uh, it, it creates an interesting conversation so thank you mark i wasn't pulling apart your your answer <laughs> not all our former guests listen avidly to every episode but uh, i'm going to continue this and i'm going to ask the next question to, to you ng is along the same lines we met with uh siraj or, or sid harrington odedra the head of cg over at unit and he said if you can't find any good opportunities then make one and he compared that to um uh, Jamal Edwards, who set up SBTV, you know, God rest his soul, who passed away recently. Um, but he was somebody who just saw an opportunity yeah. and created an empire, ultimately. Um, uh, it's an extreme example, but a, a great one. Uh, is there something in that about, you know, if, uh, if you know, industry isn't finding you, then to just create something? And I'm not saying everybody should start a music channel like Jamal did, but, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Angie? About yeah, the creative piece? no, definitely. Um... I mean, that includes startups. So many people, they don't find their opportunity, especially during the past two two years of lockdown. And many people actually started doing a startup. Um, I know a couple of friends who started their own thing and, and they, they're happy with it. They're doing well. But it's not just about that. There's so much that you can do within the industry that isn't exactly working for a studio. So you could literally start a podcast and you could you could talk about your passion. You could, you could talk to people. Um, um, and sometimes you could, I mean, the industry is moving so fast and it's it's quickly developing. So there's always new roles that are being created. 
And sometimes you could literally approach people and talk about the roles that you think should be created and talk about how you could possibly fit in these roles. And I think that can open up many opportunities as well. That's a great point, actually. I've never thought about the podcast piece. I read a book recently on uh, content, content-based networking and the idea of creating your own podcast. And then you invite, so you invite guests on who you could potentially want to work for, you know, and, uh, you know, and there's something quite flattering, isn't there, about being asked to, uh, you know, be a guest on a podcast. So actually, it's a really strategic way to, to kind of build relationships without kind of just knocking on doors, you know, mm. you need a vehicle, like I say, you need that create that content, you know, to, to, to leverage. So that's a, re- that's a really good point. And uh, one of my favorite answers on the podcast, actually, from, from Sid was that just, you mm. know, seize the day isn't it proper carpe diem moment where you just go look if, if, if they're not coming my way i'm going to create those opportunities and they're super proactive i don't want to leave anyone out who talked about opportunities on the pod i should shout out and actually steph preston who's uh, the digital marketing apprentice over at, at blues talked about literally a bit to kind of gin's point seizing every opportunity uh, and that kind of was talks webinars opportunities to uh, be involved in panels to further your skills to kind of you know to to um multiply your knowledge of the industry uh that i think sits with what jin said in many ways but they definitely um segue into um to networking discussions i think it's part you know just just, just yeah. attend everything right i mean is there probably worth speaking to that a little bit because there's so many event bright events out there there's so many now that the world's opening up again i think steph's point is uh, more, more pertinent now than ever yeah, and I think it goes as well, you know, with the um, seizing every opportunity. If you if you go to all these events, even if you don't think that they're the right one for you, the the network that you then build and the people that you then meet um, can lead on to something that is for you and something that you will enjoy. So mm-hmm. absolutely, I think networking is one of the most valuable things for graduates to be thinking about doing. Um, because those conversations can often snowball and and lead into something you know really big and and you know great opportunities. Um, so it's been a bit weird, obviously, coming out of the pandemic. Like it is these opportunities to network have been quite virtual, but they still exist. And I think it's really important that no matter what format, how it's being conducted, like you said, Simon sign up for anything and everything if for that whatever reason you then turn up then don't go to it fine Mm -hmm. but as long as you've got the idea of what's happening where who's going to be at these kind of events you know do you do you go somewhere knowing that x person is going to be there and you make a beeline for them to make that introduction and just put yourself in front of them make sure that they know your name and then you've you know you've got the opportunity then to to see where the conversation goes so going back to what I was saying before about advice to graduates that I tend to give with outreach is networking opens so many doors. You know, you meet people from all sorts of roles, all sorts of industries. You know, it's not just about visual effects, it's games, it's animation, whatever it might be. And going back to, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, maybe you'll discover something by having these conversations. Yeah. That goes back to to the point we were saying before that having, knowing how to use a software and having the talent isn't enough. Like the whole process starts where you go to uni when you make friends with people, with your people studying in the same course, because these same people are going to end up being in the industry and they're going to be like, that's going to create a network that will benefit you later on. And then even like literally... Mm -hmm understanding what transferable skills you have, what specialist skills you have, understanding what skills you have so you know how to present them in a CV, even literally looking at different CVs, analyzing what's on there, looking at job adverts, analyzing what they want from you and how you can actually link to that role and relate to that role and how you can put that on CV. Uh, Even talking to the different recruiters to understand where you should be presenting yourself, what platforms you should use and how that will differ depends on the role you're going for. So there's so much more to it than just knowing how to use a software and being talented with it. Completely agree with everything you both just said. And actually, Lorraine Batter, uh, she was at ILM as digital compositor when we interviewed sometimes because sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm going to make a connection back in February, talked about the importance of networking and uh, putting yourself out there and making connections with people that aren't obvious connections with a recruiter i'm going to make connections with a 
department manager or somebody who has influence. And she even talked to kind of like family members, like you said, Angie, friends, because you never know who people know. That's the thing. Like networking is not just within an industry. It's like the whole human condition sometimes. You just never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Right. Well, you can have a, I mean, I, I say a lot on the podcast, you, you're always one conversation away from changing your life. Not every conversation, but you, ne- you never know what's around the corner. That's what's quite exciting about networking is it's not just the, as Steph said, the the, the, the events and the, 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 the networking, the official networking kind of uh, soirees, but just a conversation you have. Or you make the time to speak to an artist in your studio. Or you yeah, go me to too. You, as Lorraine says, you just put yourself out there. It's awkward. It's <laughs> yeah. the most awkward thing in the world at those <laughs> events. Isn't it? I mean, I still struggle with it now. You know, just you feel like you're interrupting conversations all the time. It's like, oh, just go away. You know, we're talking about stranger things over here. Yeah, I just think uh, I think that's a really good point. I mean, uh, again, I'm, I guess I'm building on what you've said, but uh, expanding networking uh, from one of the other answers we got. I, I had a really interesting conversation with Chris Chris Fryer again over at ILM. Uh, he's also a, he's a digital compositor, and he talks about so almost the flip side of family members and friends about watching credits and seeing who worked on that and looking at even the kind of the, the more kind of junior artists that worked on that show and getting their take on it. I mean. His actual verbatim uh, reply here, reply, answer, was I didn't send him an email. Uh, the last thing on your to-do list of applying for the job should be applying on the listing. See if you know anybody who works there or find out who the department heads are. Reach out to decision makers for guidance. They'll either ignore you or respond positively. And I quite like that, almost like a rolling with the punches. Yeah, yeah. you know what? You're not always going to get a response and that's okay. I would always encourage people to do that research and, you know, rather than wanting to just apply for all the roles that are you know in line with your skill set my advice is always to think about where you want to work what kind of culture do you want to be in what kind of people do you want to work with and the projects that you want to work in because that will whittle it down rather than you literally blanket applying to every single studio that exists um because you know that's quite a lot of that's quite a lot of cover letters to write all that kind of thing so think, whittle it down. And then once you've done that, yeah, exactly. Do that. Find out who works there. Do you know someone? Did they go to the same university as you? You know, is there a loose connection? Even if there isn't a loose connection, just drop them a line and say, you know, I'm really interested in applying for, for union. Um, I know you work there. Is there any advice that you can give to me, you know, ahead of applying? Or can you put in a good word for me? Like, I've hired people off the back of like men, the mentor program. So, you know, artists of mine have had mentees and they've said, you know, you should interview this person. They're really great. Have done. They got hired. Um, so, you know, obviously that relationship comes from a slightly different way, but yeah, reach out to people. And as Chris said, you'll either get an, you won't get a reply at all, or you'll get some sort of feedback of, you know, sorry, can't help you with this or sure. I'd love to. And then you get, those nuggets of advice that you wouldn't get hadn't you not done that in the first place. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really, really good piece of advice from Chris. See if you do know people that are there um, and you know, how did they get their job? No, I feel like even this research should, should start much earlier on than you just needing a job. It should literally start from when you're looking into what, what role you want to do in the industry. It's really important if you know, yeah, for sure. example, you're into production, then Google up the shows that you like, who are these producers or production coordinators or or production assistants, how like what what are the stages you need to go through to, to get to where you want to get to, what what um, skills they have, how they got into the industry. So even doing that research to understand how these seniors got to where they are early on is really beneficial. So once you start to apply to apply for jobs, you know what things to present in your CV. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah. I mean, Robin Chowdhury, who was actually our 20th episode uh, last month, he talked about um, almost getting in touch with the companies that are a good fit for you. So again, doing that pre pre work, but going, you know, so you might look at the work of Union or the Frame Store, Blue Zoo, they're all yeah. very different in terms of output and channel your, your networking um, to those studios and the people who work in those studios. And as we said, you know, names and credits and recruiters and, and talent folk there for sure. Um, but that was a great episode, definitely. Thank you. And I'm also going to shout out Noga Allenstein, who obviously you'll know Harriet from her time at Union, and she's now a VFX producer at Milk. She 
talked about networking, but because a lot of our audience with Access VFX aren't just aspiring talent, there's uh, entry-level talent who work in industry as well, right? I mean, NG, present company accepted. Um, I'm no, I can, I can never call myself entry-level talent now. I'm far too aged. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on your career, Harriet. But um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. Anyway, my point is, uh, or Noga's point is. Um, she says, start building a network, you know, not just on LinkedIn, but day to day. So she said a, a great line around today's runners and roto artists in five to 10 years will be managing the industry, which I just think yeah, is I like such that. a cool thing. It is literally like, just be careful who you're upset. And <laughs> it is the classic, you work hard and be nice to people advice. But she just said, keep talking to people and keep good relationships. And what, what are your thoughts around just when you get that job, that networking journey is not over? No way. And, you know, people do move around as well. So, you know, I was at DNEG, I came to Union, um, Simon, you've moved around, you know, having been at the mill and then PlayStation and now Framestore. So even if like you interview with one person at one studio, you might interview them with again, again later on down the line. So you need to make sure that no matter who you're speaking to, that you're conducting yourself in a way that people will get that vibe. I'd like to work with that person because even if you're actually like, you know, yeah. union's not the place for me. I don't ever want to work there. Fine. But what happens if in a few years time I end up at ILM and you're desperate to work there, I'm still going to remember, you know, that mm. encounter maybe didn't, you know, get a good vibe from you. So I think it's true. Like keep relationships positive. Um, and even if, you know, you've had negative experiences in the past, not every experience is going to be like that. You know, we are, we're, we're human, we're nice people. Um, and I think I, I always sort of say to people, be the person that you would like to work with. You know, if you don't want to work with someone that behaves X, Y, and Z, then you don't do that because nobody wants to work with someone that comes across as being arrogant or whatever it might be. So yeah, be the person that you would like to work with because you never know who is going to be interviewing you, managing you in the future. Like it is a small, small industry. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I've met so many in my short time in industry, the amount of runners that I met back in the day at the mill who are now heads of department in all over the world. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the, you know, again, talent will out. Like people will rise through the ranks if they're good and again it goes back to the point raised earlier about you know that balance between you know being a decent human being and being a kind of a, a skilled within your your tool set and your craft and you were you going to add to that yeah no i just agree and and also having good friendships or like good relationships with people you work with makes makes work easy and makes it more fun so like why not just just enjoy yeah. it but you always take something from every encounter don't you i mean josh palfrey uh, 3D artist over at Blue Zoo, who was our first, one of our first winners uh, of the Young Animator of the Year competition. He talked about, um, again, it goes back to the opportunities conversation we had, where he said persistency with work applications and looking for opportunities, events, meeting people, you never know what will happen. And I think with any exchange, you can always take something from it. You never just have an exchange with somebody and go, oh, that was a nice chat. You know, it's always going to be a oh, that's interesting. I might look at that link or, and then that link you'll get into a YouTube wormhole and then you'll find out, you know, somebody you maybe want to contact. I mean, there's so much, I mean, we'll get into the work shortly around the amount of resources that are available online and uh, particularly uh, Haz Delor, um, our, our director uh, and producer over at Hazanation. He had some great advice on, on developing your tool set, which we'll get to. Um, but I think the mentoring piece is really interesting. And one question I was going to ask you both was I've been on many of these podcasts and panels where we talk about careers advice and uh, Chanel uh, Beliveau, uh, resource manager over at DNEG, uh, who we spoke to back in April this year, talked about the idea of just going for it, right? So when it comes to networking, you know, she said message people on LinkedIn, connect with recruiters, but she caveated with like, I'm available. But we always say, just, you know, start your network, contact me, contact them, you know, we're available, we're on, we're on this public platform. But then there's the reality that um, uh, Chanel uh, caveated her answer with was, you know, there's no guarantee you'll get a response, but there's a chance you will. So even though we put ourselves out there as industry to go, hey, get in touch, you know, connect with everybody on this panel, you know, they're not going to be your best friend overnight and you might not get a response straight away. Is that is that too too much real talk for this episode? Or No, I, th I think that's a really good point. And, you know, 
I think people need to be aware of, you know, me, me in my role, I am recruiting for an entire studio that is upscaling. We've got loads of work happening, so I'm busy. And then I'll do my outreach stuff with universities. And after that, I'll get a flurry of LinkedIn requests. Everyone wants to connect. Then you start getting messages. And when you think about how many people are doing that versus me being one person, I will always, always try and respond to every single LinkedIn message that I get. Even if it's, we can't hire you, we don't have the right kind of role, that kind of thing. I will always try and reply because I want the same. You know, if I reached out to somebody, I would at least hope some sort of recognition, even if it was a sorry, no. Um, but yeah, I, I can't do that immediately. You know, it's not an instant chat service. I'm, I'm busy, but I will try and get around to getting back to you. Um, and I think even if you don't get a response, do not take it personally. Never take it to heart. Bear in mind that it is a huge industry. There's a, a lot of people wanting to make those connections with recruiters, whatever it might be. But we're one person. Um, so yeah, never take it to heart. It's not personal. And then, you know, is there someone else that you can reach out to? As I can't remember who it was, but someone made the point of you will eventually get a reply from someone. So just go, as you know, as Chanel said, just go for it for sure. And like definitely persistency is is the answer to everything. Because I was like for recent graduates, we, we tried to enter the industry at the beginning and then the on, the answer that we always get, it's like very competitive industry. It's really competitive, like, oh my God. And then we have this little freak out and then many of us try to enter the industry. They try it once, they send in their applications right after they graduate, they receive a no, and then they fall out of the industry eventually. So they having that persistency to be like, okay, this is a no now, but I can still work on my portfolio. I can still have access to these resources, access to these software that I can still work on in my free time. And then a year from now, apply back again and get myself in there. And maybe you can't get in the big, the bigger studios, but there are still some small studios that you can get into. Or go going back to the same to the previous point where we're saying you can start up your own thing as well. So persistency is everything. If you can't get into the industry now, it doesn't mean that you can't get in tomorrow or a year later or years later. Great point. Actually, that leads neatly into um, I wanted to loop in Annie Gordon, our uh, head of uh, VFX over at Ghost VFX, who we interviewed at the start of the year in January, who said uh, everybody goes for the big studios, but the opportunities are there in the smaller studios. And it's like up to what each person prefers. Some people prefer to be working in a smaller environment. Um, so it's I, I, like personally, that's just my personal opinion, but I don't believe there's like a, like a good studio or a bad studio. Each studio has its yeah. own culture and it's up to the individual to find out what culture they prefer working in and actually going for it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, you know, being someone that went from a large studio to a small studio, they're very different in terms of how they work, operate, you know. At Union, we have a much more kind of generalist approach where we do really like artists that are flexible, adaptable, and really just up for trying new things. You know, just because you're brought in to be a environment artist doesn't mean that you can't put your hand up to try something else if the opportunity arises. Um, and I think, you know, there's... If you want to specialize, you probably are better suited to a larger company because they offer that specialism nine times out of 10. Um, but at the smaller studios, if you're kind of going back to that first thing that we, you know, we were talking about, if you don't have to know what you want to do, as long as you've got the right skills, but you know, it might be that you come in, you, you start working as a generalist, then you need to start using Houdini to do some bits and pieces, and then you start actually going into effects. We're not here to pigeonhole you into the job that you think and you've been brought on to do. I We encourage exploration at Union. You know, what is it you are interested in? How can we support that? Is there anything you'd like to learn? Um, so, yeah, I think, and, you know, what NG was saying, what, what are you wanting in your role and what culture, therefore, what studio will fit best in with that? Um, and quite often, people want to explore to get a feel of all the different places. And, you know, as as industry professionals, 
we're not we're not surprised by that I fully expect people to want to try and work at different places so you know if they're like yeah I'm leaving union to go work at Framestore I'm not you know who knows they might be back at union in a few years time having tried somewhere bigger and not enjoyed it I think I think yeah don't forget about the small dogs <laughs> yeah yeah and it is a community we talk about it a lot on the podcast and in conversations and down the pub but it's all that kind of there are so, there's so much crossover, and particularly on the craft side, you know, on, on the production side. I remember uh, way back in the day at the mill, we lost a load of artists to ILM when uh, The Force Awakens started production. So you used to get credit on a Star Wars film. I mean, come on. I mean, that's why a lot of people get into VFX, isn't it, to kind of work on these these big shows. Um, something to tell your grandkids, right? Um, but there's some really interesting stuff we talked about around this. Uh, so we've talked a bit about opportunity and networking, and I want to kind of segue into the, the craft whether you be a producer or an artist or any any walk of life in the industry and we had uh, we were lucky enough to have uh, uh, jasmine katatakan uh, the co-founder of the academy for animated art a uh, bit of a mouthful that one on uh, in january as well actually not, not long after we spoke to steph and she talked about focus so not necessarily knowing exactly what you want to do but kind of knowing what you want to do so she talked about pre-visiting your career which i kind of loved it's almost kind of like how do you pre-vis your career uh, and almost laser focus on what you want to do. And then you look at the steps that it takes to get into that discipline, whether it's animation, production, you know, start doing your research. And that sits neatly with actually the following uh, episode was with Niall Smith, who's a compositor and ex-apprentice over at Jellyfish. And he talked about self-development, actually doing the work, finding out what you need to learn from your peers and people doing the work you want to do. And it goes back to kind of, blends neatly with the networking piece doesn't it speaking to mm. people who are doing what you want to do i think there's a question in there somewhere uh harriet energy but <laughs> over to you so i would i agree that i think obviously having an idea of what you want to do in terms of 2d versus 3d is pretty important because you can't flip between those two as you know some people do think um but I completely agree working out exactly the end goal for you, even if you're realistic and know that that's in 10, 20 years time, but still doing that work backwards. A lot of kind of what I see from graduates, you know, they, they graduate and they're like, I want to be a compositor. And it's very rare that there are opportunities for juniors to get straight into that, that role. And so when when I talk to people wanting to, I, 2D is quite an easy one because it is a bit more of a linear, linear route. But, you know, as a, yes, you want to be a compositor, but what other things do you need to do to get there? And typically you start in roto prep so that when you're doing your show reel, don't fill it with just compositing work because actually I'm not, I'm not yet interested in seeing that part of your skills because you're not going into that role. What I want to see is your kind of roto prep examples and things like that. So I think that's a really good way of, of looking at it. Self-development as well from what Niall said. And again, it leads back to a point that Engie made earlier with you might not get that role the first time, but that's not to say that it won't happen. So again, don't take it to heart. Brush yourself off. Keep working on your showreel. Keep working on personal projects that are going to better your skills and show, show what you can do. And then try again. Um, so... So yeah, I, I think there, there's only so much pre-planning you can do. I've I've spoken to a lot of people in the past that I think find it harder when they're so focused on this is how I can do the job. But that's not how it works. You know, it's having that flexibility, being open to new things is really important. So I think being focused, yes, definitely. But try not to pigeonhole yourself and... And make it harder for you as well, because that, you know, nobody, nobody wants it to be a difficult thing. Finding a job shouldn't be as hard as it is. So try and see a positive in it and take away good things from those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Even with like specializing, it's like so important to do your research and like know what you want to go into. Like, for example, as, as you were saying earlier, Harriet, if, you, if you're interested in going into the bigger studios, then you need to be more focused and more specialist. If you're interested in smaller studios, then there is this little bit where you can be a tiny, tiny bit more generalist. And I feel like mentioning like the T skills, like like the T, so 
get your general skills, but at the same time, focus on one skill that can be very relevant to what you, you're going into. And again, do your research, talk to the recruiters, see what they're after, what they want. That's interesting. Yeah, actually, that speaks really uh, nicely to what where Jason Halverson said. He was the uh, VFX soup at Goodbye Kansas when we spoke to him in February 2022. And uh, this year, I should have said this year, not 2022, like it was in the past, <laughs> wishing the year away. He talked about uh, the crowded market of VFX and uh, what you touched on earlier, Harriet, around it just being a war for talent and it being a global industry. And he talked about focus again in that you have some uh some candidates or people applying that try to do everything and then it's actually the folks that excel in a particular area or really you know focus you know show show work that's focused tend to kind of will out a little bit yeah i think i think the hard thing about that is most like bas that people would go for is only three years if you haven't done a lot in the 3d or like 2d industry there is there is so much to learn and if you don't, if you haven't experimented with everything, you don't know what you want to specialize. And I think that's the problem that many people at uni currently face is that you only have three years. The first two years, you barely have enough time to try modeling, sculpting, rigging. There is so much there. And by the end of it, you're just like, okay, now I've tried everything. I don't have enough time to specialize. What do I do? So it's a very tough finding that balance between trying everything, finding out what you enjoy, but also having that time to specialize in what you enjoy the most. And I think what could help is starting, if, you, if you're if you interested, for example, in 3D, start as soon as you can, even before you go into uni. Just get a blender, it's for free, get on it, try the different things. So once you start with uni, you know what you're interested in, and then you can actually spe- specialize and excel at that. And hopefully by the end of it, you have an amazing portfolio that you can use to apply for jobs. Yeah, and, and to, to add to that, you know, as a recruiter, I, I review so many applications and I completely agree with what Jason is saying. You get complete opposites of the spectrum with some people showing really, really focused work and then others just trying to do as much as possible. And I think there's a really fine line because I do want to see variety because unit is small. That does, you know, it's a good starting point, but it's how much variety that it then that you know that's the fine line like I don't particularly want to see a showreel that shows CG compositing animation effects rigging like that is too much like you do have to specialize in some regards with 2D CG whatever it might be um but I always say it's quality over quantity so with a showreel don't just cram it full of stuff because you think that's what we want to see what we want to see is well executed work that show your skills. So if you're sitting there umming and ahhing, oh, should I put this in your my reel? I would probably say no, because you should, your act, your reaction should be, this has got to go in my reel. This is my best piece of work. Everybody's got to see this. I think this really shows my skills as an artist. So if you're not getting that feel for those shots, don't include them. I'd much rather see a short reel that is has a you know a great attention to detail really shows high quality work than something that's a minute and a half long just full filled with random random stuff yeah yeah that's a re- really good really good point and it speaks to uh we had richard fraser of vfx super blue bolt on the pod in january and he talked about um, it being a collaborative industry so he said much like what jason said actually and what, what you guys have said is he said get good at one thing but it's a collaborative industry so mm. understand a bit about what the other departments and stages do. So get good at the thing, but know where it sits in the pipe, you know, where it sits on in, at the different yeah. stages, which uh, again, speaks to, saying speaks to a lot now on this podcast, speaks to Nar Smith's point around self-development and learning and knowledge. And, you know, you can still do that, but, you know, your on-the-box time is spent getting good at that, that craft. Yeah. I think actually Engie's a really good example of this because, you know, you've come from a degree. So you, whilst you're not doing that creative role or a production role, you understand what talent looks like in the visual effects industry because you've touched on all those things doing your degree. I never did that. You know, I had to learn it from scratch, which was pretty terrifying um, at the beginning. Um, And again, the same with production. You get people going into these um, degrees thinking that they want to be an artist then they get the opportunity to be that organizer on a show and they're like oh my god I really love spreadsheets I love budgets I love deadlines I love working out those schedules 
But again, them now going into production role, they understand all those puzzle pieces that need to fit together to get a show done. They're just doing it, you know, in the background. Um, so it, it's so beneficial having having an understanding of who does what, what impacts you if you don't get that done further, you know, earlier on down the line and the implications that it may cause is so useful. Yeah, yeah. And even understanding the general like VFX or like animation pipeline is not enough because each studio has their own pipeline and their own way of, of making something. So this is where like networking and being friendly and like nice to people comes because you would literally be like drinking water in the kitchen. You would run into some people who'd be like, so how did you do this? How did you work on that? So just the chats that you have literally in like the breaks gives you a lot of insight into how they make things and like the, the industry is so technical there's always something new that's being created so there's always new techniques new things added to the pipeline so always keep talking to people ask your questions it's like always a good idea to ask questions i'm always asking questions um and it's like it's a good way to network be friendly and get all these insights yeah always be curious it's my my abc is always be in that 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 place because you never nobody nobody knows everything so yeah, you, you definitely get that info. I wanted to kind of uh, talk about uh, Haz Dalul, um, director producer at Hazimation, who we had on the pod not so long ago in May, and uh, he's making a a, a feature and a, and a game uh, at the moment uh, in the Unreal Engine, the flavor of the month. Um, and he talks about uh, he gets a lot of questions around uh, how do people diversify their skill sets using Games Engine. So you know, Unity as well. We tend to kind of double down on Unreal, but you know, Unity's out there too. And I loved his answer. Now, I'm not a techie person at all. And if you listen to Haz's, um, Haz's uh, episode, it's one of our longer episodes. That man has a lot to say. He's a high energy chap and I love him. And Haz, I love you if you're listening. Um, so he gave advice and he talked about, you know, know what you want to do in the tool set. I think this is really cool advice. because He said, no one knows any software or tool 100% inside out. So he gave an example, like if you if you want to be a director, you go, how do I... How do I bring an asset into a scene? How do I move a camera in the in the, the software? Or if you're an animator, how do I bring a character into a frame? How do I import motion capture data? And you can apply this to any software or any tool set. Is actually what do I want to do? Which goes back to what we said earlier with um, whose advice was it? God, I'm so many people here. I'm going to come back to you, uh, mystery person. Um, but know what you want to do, and then what 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 software you're going to work with and how you're going to use it because he said don't just get the manual and go through it page one right introduction to maya you know you're literally you know playing around with it and uh as he said he said create your own curriculum using youtube and everything that's out there like you said earlier ng you know blenders out there for free there's you know reels out there for free like there's so much content that you can just you know if you have the technology to do it i mean not everybody has a laptop you know not everybody has technology uh, to hand but if you do, there's kind of nothing stopping you. But I love Haz's answer around almost adapting the software to your own kind of career aspirations. And just like making the, your curriculum is, is a very good point because different people learn differently and that's nothing to be ashamed of. Like when I started my, my CGI course animation, I, I never dealt with a computer, a laptop before. I came from Syria. I've never seen one. I didn't know how to deal with it. So literally, like, I was so ashamed of myself for not even knowing what Photoshop was or Maya. But, like, it's it's you shouldn't be ashamed. Whatever you don't, whatever you do know or whatever you don't know, that's fine as long as you're aware of it and create your own curriculum or your own, like, learning curve. Understand yourself and create that for you. And once, like, I don't know, it's all about accepting it, that it's fine not to know something uh, understanding how your brain processes the information and then designing something that fits you. I think it's all about that. No, completely. And actually this speaks to, speaks to another one of our guests. I feel like I've got like 23 people on this podcast that I need to keep happy. Um, so Chris Fryer again, he, cause he had a non-work related and a work related piece of advice. And actually we've already talked about his networking advice, but he talked about um, find the job you want, then take the simplest shot from a project and replicate it in your own time in a way that shows that with guidance you could replicate it to the same quality so not nobody's going to replicate it to the same quality or to a kind of doctor strange movie or whatever but yeah just have a go and i love that advice it was yeah on point right i mean i've i know chris like i think how how did i meet him i can't remember it must have been through like an apprentice an insight into your networking. Right? Yeah. How did you? How did you? I, oh no! I went to his university to do a masterclass, I think, 
and he was he did anyway whatever um so yeah i i've known chris for a number of years and he is absolutely you know the type of guy that is proactive and has really he's worked hard to get to where he is and he's now got some incredible shows behind him you know he's he's not really been even doing it for that long and he's you know been at ILM he's been he's been at some big big studios and I think that's amazing you know you I don't think I could tell you I have ever seen somebody doing what he is suggesting finding a show that you like and taking a shot and trying to replicate it I have never seen that but I think it's such a good piece of advice and I'm hoping now that whoever's listening to this is going to start doing that and then in x amount of months I'm going to start seeing some really cool show reels with some really cool pieces of work on them I think that's awesome yeah it is isn't it it's nice it's fresh fresh advice that episode worth listening to that one for sure not that all, all of them are worth listening to this one included but yeah Chris was uh, an impressive candidate and had a very nice moustache when I met him because we did it in November and he was doing November at the time. So he had a big old, big old tash. And Chris, if you're listening, uh, he came to an event at Frame Store and I never got around to saying hello to him because I've never met him in the flesh, but I have met him on the podcast. We spent an hour chatting. So if you're listening, very sorry. <laughs> hello. Um, um, I'm, kind of, I'm very aware of time because this is a conversation that could go on indefinitely but I'm also very aware that I want to make sure all of our guests get name checked and I wanted to touch on Leanne Lochran who's the senior recruitment over at ILM formerly of Outpost VFX and she came up with and again it kind of crosses over quite a lot of the stuff we've talked about but she talked about personal brand um, and she talked about thinking about how you market yourself as a product which I thought was really interesting she said know what you are and sell yourself in the best possible way whether it be applying or getting yourself seen. She talked about it in terms of mark, doing your market research, realizing your strengths. And she uh, she said, think about the other side of the fence. What's going on? Who's going to be opening your application? What questions might they ask? And the answers you'll have on your packaging. So she literally went into like, literally you are a, a box yeah, of cereal. I the, thought the, box of cereal. On the shelf in Sainsbury's. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, what do we think of that? I mean, I love the idea of personal brand because that's how you stand out, right? Or any level in your career, whether you're just starting out or you're just about to, you know, retire. Um, but what's your take on uh, on personal brand, Engie? What, what's your what are your thoughts around that answer? No, I agree. I think it is all about personal branding because the recruiter who's going to read your CV or like see your, see your showreel, they don't know you, so they're going to yeah. see you through what you submit. And it's really important that you showcase what you've got. But before you showcase what you've got, it's more important that you know what you've got. And that's where it comes to understanding what are your your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are areas of development that you could be working on, where do you excel, understanding your transferable and specialist skills. And then that's where the branding comes. But also choosing the platform where you brand yourself is really important. And it can quite differ according to what role or industry you're going into and like what studio as well so that that comes when you that's where you talk to the recruiters and ask okay so if I'm interested in modeling where it's the best place to to showcase that but as well if you use like different platforms it's really important that you link them back to one place so it's easier for the recruiters to see them and that's probably would best be used in like LinkedIn or a CV um, so yeah branding is, is so important because that's how we get to know you. I love that. And that sits neatly with, uh, we had Mark Pinheiro on the podcast in March 2022, and he told quite a harrowing story about his, uh, his, uh, him growing up. Uh, but he ended the podcast where he almost started the trend of uh, t-shirt slogans from the podcast. Everybody was dropping all these nuggets. And Mark, for me, almost uh, had the best t-shirt slogan um, from the pod, where he, where he said, land on your own moon, which really sits neatly with um, personal brand. And what we said earlier around... Um, you know, starting your own thing, doing your own thing, you know, having a podcast, doing it, you know, being some, you know, inspiring to be somebody like Jamal Edwards, you know, but I love the idea of being your own brand and landing on your own moon, bringing a bit of individuality back to applications and uh, not, not, yeah, like I say, you know, having standing out again, everybody is going to have their own way. Well, I worked at channel four years ago. Somebody sent me a front door in the post. What? It was the most mental thing ever. It was amazing. A literal, she'd gone to Wix, other, you know, stores are available or B&Q, and she got a front door, and she sent it to Channel 4, and the whole it was the whole kind of metaphor of, you know, getting my foot in the door. She put a load of feet all over it, and uh, she got an interview, 
you know. That's so cool. Did you get a job? I can't remember. But it was a massive door, and it was a talking point, and every it was. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about it now. You know, 10, 20, you know, fifteen years later. You know, um, but yeah, uh, there you go. Doorgate. It was a big thing. It trended. We had a little kind of Twitter trend called Four Door. That's amazing. Hashtag I love that. But I guess it all boils down to uh, brings us full circle to networking, and I've done this strategically because I've realised that I've not included Luke Gregg from Free Folk, who said. Network with everyone, even if it's the most unspecific place, out and about, at a party. Keep asking questions, even if they don't work in VFX. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Angie, about being curious, being always being curious, asking questions. You, you're never the full set. You're never the full skill set. So you're always learning. And I think uh, that's no, a really, honestly, really yeah. point to make. Like one day I was on a train ride from London to Bristol and I had a couple of people talking about film. So I literally went to them and I was like, excuse me, are you talking about film? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, cool, where do you work? And we literally started a conversation. And through that, I got an interview for a part-time job I did previously to starting at Framestore. So it's so funny how there's so many different ways that you could actually network and get opportunities literally out of a train ride. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps (laughs) Seriously, it is that. It is that. It's literally, yeah, yeah. and I say it, I said it earlier, you're always one conversation way of changing life. Like, be a nice person, show interest in people. You know, there's a workshop I run at the moment and around like, active listening. You know, when, you, when you're talking to somebody, actively be present. Yeah. There's this, uh, this great quote, and I don't know where it comes from. It's called the, um, the, 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 the wheel is spinning, but the hamster is dead. Don't be that person. <laughs> don't be the person who's just going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, right, you know, when, am I, when do I get to go home? When do I get to go down the pub? Like invest in conversations and be present with people because you just let you say, Angie, you never know where it's going to lead. Just a chance encounter. You know, you might not be at Framestore if it wasn't for that random chat you had on the train. Right, guys, I'm going to aim to wrap up the podcast. Um, before we go to, because I'm not going to let you both off because I know you've been dropping a lot of knowledge bombs on this pod, but it'd be remiss of me not to invite you into the vault <laughs> to not ask you question 20. So while you're thinking about your own personal golden nugget if you could only give one and i know we let chris have two i couldn't really argue with him um we're going to let you have one but while you're thinking i'm obviously going to thank our our first 20 guests of season two so Jing godden mark simon hewis alwyn hunt uh, sid harrington odedra chris fryer steph preston yasmin katatakan niall smith annie gordon richard fraser loray batter jason halverson mark pinheiro leanne lochran luke greg chanel beliveau Noga Allenstein, Hasdalul, Josh Palfrey, and Robin Chowdhury. What a lineup. We're excited for you to listen to the next 20 episodes that are coming in part two of season two from September. But I'm going to go to Harriet first, and I'm going to ask Harriet, what is your golden nugget that you'd like to share with us? I think my golden nugget for my younger self was it will be okay. I was so freaked out when it was, you know, time to get into the real world. I didn't go to university. Um, And, you know, quite frankly, I'm now 10 years into the visual effects industry. I like to think I'm pretty good at what I do. You never know. But, you know, I'm really, I'm really proud of what I have achieved from sort of all those years ago, being 18 and just not having a clue and just, yeah, just see what is out there. What do you enjoy? Try different things because it will all work out. It will be okay. I love that. Thank you, Harriet. Angie, what's your golden nugget? I feel it would be forget about all the stereotypes you know of the industry and believe that you can make everything happen. For me, I, I heard so many things about the industry that freaks me out. I thought I would never going to make it. I'm from Syria. I don't know anyone in this country. I came on my own. How will I make it? There is no way I would make it. I didn't even know how to turn on a computer. <laughs> but it, it's genuinely like forget about everything you're being told because it's only pushing you behind. When they tell you it's so competitive, it's so hard, maybe you'd never get there. No, for, forget about all of that. Whenever you see something interesting, go for it. Whenever you see an opportunity, go for it. Whenever you see someone who's talking about film on a train ride, go for it. So (laughs) forget everything you know about the industry and believe that all the stereotypes you know about the industry and believe that you can make everything happen. Yeah, that's that's a great, great answer. And you can can shift the, the game. You know, one thing I've been really aware of now is there is now an, the first, I would say the visual effects old guard now, and there's a next generation coming through now. You know, when, even when I was at Channel 4, we used to talk about the millennial generation and the Gen Zs coming through. 
And I think there is going to be a seismic shift that we're, you know, we, we, we should be prepared for where there is going to be new ideas, new conversations, you know, everything we're doing with inclusion, diversity, you know, expanding outreach beyond London and, you know, really debunking a lot of those, those, those stereotypes, you know, visual effects is not a perfect industry. There's still a lot of stuff we need to iron out and change and tweak, but, you know, I'm excited for the next, uh, the next, the next uh, incarnation yes. of what the visual effects animation and games industry is going to look like. Yeah. Harry and Angie, that was a great chat. Thank you so much for getting involved. And literally at such short notice, I literally put the call <laughs> yeah. out days yeah. ago because I wanted to get this in. Uh, so we had something for folks to listen to during the summer. And I think this is uh, a, just such a, almost like a, a companion document for anybody looking, trying to get into industry right now. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. So thank you for making the time. Both. Thank I know you, Sam. you both are super, super Thanks busy. Thanks for having us. Um, now, is there anything you want to add? I always, with all of our guests, I always say if there's anything you want to plug, anything you want to shout about, anything you want to put out there, now's the opportunity before we close the doors. Union are hiring. Go to our website. Check out the roles. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Got to shoot my shot. Do you anything you want to plug? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Frame store. Hiring. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we're going to close the, 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 the door. I'm sure Tom will add the creaky door effect as we close the vault. Thank you for taking this tour with me, Harriet and NG. Have a great rest of your day, rest of your summer. And hopefully we'll have you on as a bona fide Axis VFX guest individually soon. So watch this space for more, more of these lovely guests. So thank you for your time Bye. and have a great one. Thanks, Simon. Well, that was episode 21 of the Axis VFX podcast. A great one, right? How many golden nuggets can you cram into one hour? Turns out it's a lot. Well, at least 20, maybe 22. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating or even a four-star rating. Subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please, please, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games. Go to accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. That's accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. Thank you, Engie and Harriet, for being phenomenal guests. Thank you to all our season two guests so far. And thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And finally, thanks to you for listening. Now, as I said at the start, we're taking a break for the summer. So expect more inspiring guests opening the vault when we return in September. And who knows, we may have some surprises up our sleeve in the meantime. Anyway, wherever you're spending your summer months, have an amazing one. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.